This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and be sure to stay tuned for our Michelob Ultra player of the week coming up later in the episode. As always, I'm your host. Jackson Gatlin, for the first time ever on YouTube. We are on video now, people. This is so crazy cool. I am a native Houstonian. I'm also a partner at Apollo Media. You can find me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And joining us for the very first time ever, the introductory YouTube episode for Locked on Rockets is none other than Richard Stamen, credentialed draft expert and in-house draft analyst expert, you name it, he knows it about NBA draft uh, for Locked On. You can find him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. How's it going, Richard? It's going pretty well. Should I go ahead and uh, reveal the rest of my shirt as I uh, already have? <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate it. There's man. no better way to bring the YouTube uh, debut than you know keeping the Mavs the Mavs brand on you. It's so bad. Like, you you know, it just, I I am so off brand by doing this, by like having you on the first YouTube show. It's just not a great look. Um, I might as well just give up the whole YouTube gambit right now, but no. So we've got, you know, we're doing this locked on rockets on YouTube now. So if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You can find us now on YouTube. This is our first episode, our introductory episode. So find us on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, the same way that you subscribe to the show on all your other platforms, subscribe on YouTube. We got to pump those numbers up. I think we're sitting at 32 subscribers right now. Those are rookie numbers, but past all that, past the exciting new news that we are now on YouTube, we've got Richard here today because we're going to tackle, we've, we've kind of handled a, a lot of the top side of the NBA draft with the top five prospects. We had uh, Rafael Barlow on recently to discuss some of the international picks. Uh, And one thing that we haven't really paid much attention to is how the tail end of the first round is going to look for the Rockets. They do have the 23rd overall pick. They've got the 24th overall pick. And Richard, that's where you come in, my man, because we want to find out in your mind three not necessarily sleepers, but guys at the tail end of the draft that you are really high on, really interested in. And I guess now's a good time. Who, what names do you have for us to explore today? Yeah, so there's there's so many guys in that range where I think it's just so wide from 20 to 40 that you could convince me of any of those guys and I wouldn't be mad. Like It's a very wide range. The three I've chosen, I have Trey Mann, who he sits at number 11 on my big board. So I... I'm a little bit different on the range is a little bit different from where I project him to be drafted and where I have him ranked. It's kind of a common thing, you know, not always the best players go at the top necessarily, but, and then also Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who not far behind him. I have him at 13, just two spots difference. Again, I see him as a late first, but very high on him. And then Isaiah Todd, who I have a little bit lower, considerably lower. Actually, I have him over at, 35. So 
quite the range. But again, like I said, none of those guys in that range I would be mad at. Okay. So first things first is I, I got to know in, in your mind, we've got a three segment show here. That's the format. So who are we tackling first? Who are we tackling second? Who do you want to tackle third? That's what, that's what we got to get out of the way. First things. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, we can do a reverse order of uh, when I posted the scouting reports, I haven't put one out on Robinson Earl, so he'll go last. Let's start with Isaiah Todd and then Trey man second. Okay. I like it. All right. And Hey, you did me a favor by, uh, by keeping it in the order of the graphics that I have teed up over here on the right hand side. So that's awesome. I appreciate that Richard, um, taking into account the visual element now of the show. But, uh, I guess if we're starting with, with Todd, let's kind of get, you know, this is how I usually start out because my thing is, is I haven't spent that much time near the back end of the first round yet, looking at prospects, looking at mocks, that kind of thing. And so I briefly took a look at these, these three guys and I want to know, first off, give me your elevator pitch. What's he all about? Yeah. So Isaiah Todd is a guy at first of all, all three of these guys, it's very with the mock drafts, it's very up in the air of how much it actually matters outside of the lottery right now, really in general, but until the combine happens, I don't really think the mock drafts mean a lot. So there is that, so it's really still wide open. But the elevator pitch for Isaiah Todd is you look at the modern fours in this league, you know, the guys who can create a little bit for themselves, shoot and have a really good athleticism. You think of guys like John Collins, you know, that kind of mold, even dating back to former Rocket Josh Smith a little bit in his Atlanta days more than his uh, Houston days. But those kind of guys are a coveted asset. Those, you know, John Collins is probably going to get a max contract this year, and you have a guy who has a lot of similar upside to John Collins and being that, you know, self-creator as a force, a very rare trait. So let's run through his stats really quick. So average 12.3 points, 4.9 rebounds, 0.8 assists, uh, shot a hair under 44% from the floor, and then a little over 36% from behind the arc. So we got our elevator pitch on Todd. Now, where is he? What's his strength? What's, what's the skill that separates him from the rest, Richard? Yeah, so the thing I liked, he only did it 14 times according to Synergy, but his isolation scoring and ability to size guys up, hit shots off the dribble, and be a threat to score at any level, you know, be able just to pull up from three, pull up from mid-range really well. He has this really strong post fadeaway, and then potential to finish at the rim. I think that really separates him, and he can also come off screens really cleanly. You don't see a 6'10 guy at his, you know, that size being able to come off of screens and curl into shots like he does. It's a very unique archetype. So he's pretty clearly a three-level scorer, right? Yeah, so almost can get into the flaws. I'm not I'm not too sold on his finishing. That's a swing skill for him, but he has the potential with the size and athleticism. Okay. Now when, when you're watching him play, you know, he, so he, first off, we, we should tee up. He, he played in the, in the G league. So he played for the ignite. Um, I know you've mentioned before that defensively, there's not a whole lot of team defense being played, you know, in the G league, but you look at a guy like Todd, what does he, do you look at his physicals and you think, okay, he's got something there defensively. Where does his defensive metrics kind of stand out to you? It's impossible for me to tell. I've, I've never seen a guy 50, 50 on defense quite like Isaiah Todd. There's times where he moves well laterally. I think overall he has good lateral quickness, but he can get crossed up so easily and his instincts kind of look lacking. He should have had more blocks considering how much around the, how much time he spent around the rim. So I really can't make up my mind on it. I think it's a massive swing skill for him and it is the swing skill he needs to really hit on to stay in the league. But I mean, there's, you know, if you go off of his physical traits, you can probably find a reason to buy into his defense. 
So let's talk. You gave us a, a couple comps earlier, but I want to revisit that topic really quick because I think of a guy like like Todd who, you know, looking at his build, you know, that 610 frame, you know, the ability to almost score at three levels, you know, is he is he really suited to be a true like four in this league? Or is he kind of one of those pseudo fours where you might slot him in even at times like at the three spot, like maybe a Tobias Harris type sort of? Yeah, I think I think he actually goes up more than he goes down just okay. because of the mismatches he creates. I think he's better off creating mismatches against fellow bigs more than against wings. I think he can be a little bit exposed, probably guarding wings in general too. So that's a that's a tough one in theory. He could probably play some of the three depending on the lineup, but I'd be a little bit more optimistic about having him at the five in a mismatch world. Okay. Now give me your give me your really quick, you know, we're gonna get drop a quick bust ability score on because we gotta do the bust ability score. I if, if I came up with the bust, but we're gonna do a bust ability score. So you know, just looking at what what you've evaluated from him so far and, and you know why you you think he might be an interesting pick for the Rockets at 23 or 24. Yeah, so I uh you want me to give that bust ability number first? Yeah, we'll do that first. Yeah, so I uh, I would give him a solid seven. It's in my unplayable category, like the in my scouting reports, I do like he's unplayable if and then give a scenario. I put that if his defense playmaking and finishing all do not translate to the NBA, he's out of the league. Like the he can shoot and create, that's nice, but it may not make up for the fact that he can't get towards the rim. It can you know teams can just close out hard and really limit his game to fit to 15, 20 feet out plus, and then. He won't be. He struggles with turnovers, and then if the defense isn't there, he can't afford to go zero for three in those three swing skills. So I say a solid seven on the bustability. All right, and then really quick, just you know, you're, you're looking at the Rockets. If you're in the Rockets, you know, draft room, you know, I, I still think there's some question marks that are going to be resolved once we find out what the results of the draft lottery are, whether they're picking in the top four or at number eighteen. But if you're looking at those twenty three, twenty four picks, I'm still a little bit skeptical as to whether or not the Rockets actually keep those or maybe they trade them. Uh, you know, to not have to sign, you know, upwards of, you know, three rookies, all to rookie deals at the end of this draft period. Um, but why should the Rockets be interested in, in, in Todd? Yeah. So if you're looking for a guy that can be that swing for the fences late in the first round, he's that guy you can live potentially. If you have the three first round picks and you do keep it the way it is, you can live with one of them not hitting their expectations. And at 24, it's a hit or miss spot. Like why not swing at the fences and try and get that, you know, jumbo, creating four that a lot of teams have coveted. You know, the Rockets do have Christian Wood, who is kind of that jumbo creating four that can play a little bit of defense and just a unique four. And then why not get someone who could be a little bit more long-term than Christian Wood and a little bit higher upside than Christian Wood. Okay. I like that. You've, you've sold me on him a little bit. I'm not a hundred percent all the way in. It wasn't quite as uh, strong of a pitch as uh KD, Evan Mobley comp, but it was still oh, wow. pretty, pretty good. Um, now, now coming up, we're going to talk about Trey Mann uh, next. But first, we got to get to our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, which is it's a unique Player of the Week this week because it is you, our loyal Locked On Rockets listener. Because look, you've been a lot. If you if you're still listening to this podcast, it means you've been alongside the Rockets all season long. You've been through trade demands, through crazy situations, through people who didn't want to be here, uh, the development of the young core, and more on the way to a 17. And 55 record, not a great number. Uh, the worst record in the NBA, in fact. That's a hard number to look at. But you know what number isn't hard to look at? Michelob Ultra, 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And look, we've 
it's been a rough rocket season, sure, but there have still been in some enjoyable moments. You got KPJ's 50 piece. You had, again, the development just overall of the young core, the KJ Martin blocks, Christian Wood. I mean, there's been some really bright spots throughout the season. So are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? The Rockets didn't exactly do a lot of winning this season, but brighter days are certainly ahead. And there will still be, there was, Again, plenty of enjoyable moments all throughout this season, all throughout the 2020-2021 campaign. And so if you've ridden through all that, if you've lasted through this entire season, that's what this Player of the War, Player of the Week award is for. It's for you, the diehard, loyal Houston Rockets fan. So here's to you for being our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And we are continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting with in-house credentialed draft expert for the Locked on Podcast Network, one of the hosts of the Locked on NBA Draft podcast, Richard Stamen. You can follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Now, Richard, we're getting into Trey Mann here next. Now, Trey Mann, elevator pitch, go. Yeah, he's the best space creator in the draft. I think that really speaks volumes in this league. I think that goes a long way. He can shoot. He can probably score. I, I have a lot of confidence in him scoring at all three levels. His finishing numbers were nice, despite him being skinny. Incredibly good foot speed on the defensive end and really strong instincts, plays the passing lanes well. And I think overall he's going to – his scoring and creating are going to translate pretty easily. So if you're looking for that three-level score who can force turnovers, may not be a great on-ball defender, that's your guy. Okay, so let's look at Trey Mann's stats really quick. So sophomore, sophomore year, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, he okay. broke out as a sophomore. Really was non-existent as a freshman. So sophomore year, 16 points per game, 5.6 boards, 3.5 assists, uh, shot almost four, you know, a hair under 46% from the floor, and then a little over 40% from behind the arc, which that's the number that really stands out to me. Uh, you know, Richard is that that three point percentage. And first off, I, I gotta say, I'm a sucker when I see a guy who can shoot the ball from three because I just immediately think I have PTSD flashbacks to all the times that I wish that the Rockets had a stone cold knockdown shooter. But they've had some shooters like that, but they've also been guys who have been unplayable in certain situations because they've been, you know, defensive liabilities or a little bit too small or didn't quite fit positionally with the other guys who needed to take up a majority of the minutes. So you look at a guy like Mann, does he have defensive liabilities in his game currently? To an extent. I think, like I said, on ball, he's he gets bullied so quickly and easily just because of his skinny frame that he's probably going to be a negative pretty early on. He's not always in stance. I'm not confident on his defense being that good, but I also don't see it as a deal breaker in any facet. Is he more of an on-ball player or off-ball player? A little bit of both on the offensive end. I think he's he can play off-ball, but if you want to maximize him, he's probably that you know two-dribble pull-up, something like that. You know, Give him two dribbles, really quick offense. He can bail out your offense very quickly on-ball as well. So when we're looking at the Rockets and the future of this team, I think there's a couple things that are a bit of a given. And despite what the Rockets front office is going to tell us, you know, publicly, Eric Gordon is not here for the long term. John Wall is not here for the long term. They're not part of the long term future of this Rockets organization. If they could drop both of those guys tomorrow without giving up any assets, they absolutely would. So when I'm looking at this Rockets team, Kevin Porter Jr. to me is the ball handler of the future. Even in a world where the Rockets somehow luck out and get the number one overall draft pick and bring in Cade Cunningham. I don't think it becomes exclusively Cade's rodeo, right? Like it's going to be kind of a tandem thing between Kevin Porter Jr. Cade Cunningham. They're both going to kind of take their turns running the show because I think 
both guys are capable of playing off the ball a little bit as well as playing with the ball in their hands. So I wonder, you look at a guy like Trey Mann, how does he match up with Kevin Porter Jr. in the backcourt for the Rockets? Yeah, so you get a little bit of redundancy in that shot creation and overlap in skill. But I also don't think it's a negative redundancy. I think it's kind of in if you stop him, you also have to stop this guy. And it makes both of them a little bit more special offensively. Okay. And one of the areas too that I'm I keep digging back on, and you know, this is there's a name that I want to talk about with you at some point. We're gonna have to talk about it another time, is uh Chris Duarte. Uh yeah. but <laughs> there really quick, we're gonna tangent here. Is there a chance Duarte falls 23-24? Yeah, I mean he got a first round promise. And generally, those guys have gone 17 to 25. That's the range. So it's a very possible chance that it's a good chance that he he could be a rocket. I, I really like Duarte, and I'm not going to derail your three picks, but I, I really like Duarte. Of the guys that I've had a chance to look at towards the latter end of the first round, I think he's probably the guy that I'm most high on at like that 23-24 spot if he's available. Uh, mainly because, again, I'm looking at guys, and this is my mantra when I'm looking at roster construction. And I've, I've echoed, I've, I've, you know, beat these drums before with James Harden as a Houston Rocket is James at times and Kevin Porter Jr., right? Not entirely, completely defensive liabilities, but aren't going to be plus defenders. I feel like that's a fair assessment, right? Yep. Okay. So with Kevin Porter Jr., I view him as you need to put a bunch of defensive-minded guys around him or guys who are or are capable of being plus defenders, which is partially why I'm not super high on the idea of a backcourt of... Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, because I feel like there's a chunk of defensive liabilities there. So I'm totally eyeballing guys who can match up with Kevin Porter Jr., put him in the backcourt, and have another guy who's going to show up, do his job, you know, essentially a prototypical 3 and D guy to slot next to him in the backcourt. Yeah, and Duarte fits that. I do think, to be fair, I do think Cade is probably the most complete checkbox of that, obviously being number one talent, but he can play defensively well enough that he makes up for a lot of KPJ. Definitely. And so that that's that's just kind of a little bit of my mindset as to where I'm coming from when I'm looking at some of these guys. But we're going to get back to Trey, man. I don't I don't want to I'm not I'm not sitting here. I'm not trying to do a disservice to Trey, man. Um, we, we've kind of talked a little bit offense, a little bit defense, but we haven't had a comp yet for him. Do you have a solid comp in mind? Yeah. So any blend of these four players, it's quite a wide range. But I, I feel I'm going to go with most similar to least similar um in order i think lou will is probably a very similar player to him Devonte graham tyrell terry i know it's early in tyrell terry's career but they're very similar as prospects and then luke Kennard is the last one so any blend of those four players is kind of what you're looking at okay and that's a that's a that's a pretty broad spectrum honestly which do you think that's a when you look at a pro when you're looking at a prospect richard if you have kind of almost like a preordained oh i really think this player plays just like this guy like this is the only comp that i can come up with in my mind or when you have a guy where you're like well he's a little bit like this guy this guy this guy like different parts of different players which way which one tends to be for to more so toward the to the benefit of said player yeah there's like two players in each draft class that actually have like a perfect congruent one-to-one -one. and uh so that's generally never right that's how people look foolish I think if you take take some of what people do, it, it works out best. I personally go off of stats. It help a lot. Like I, I think ultimately you're looking at statistics and then play style for me when I do these comparisons. So that's what I go off of. 
All right. Well, we've still got one guy left to talk about, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And uh, well, before we even get to him, I mean, Richard, I got to give you a little bit of hell because you gave us Todd with two D's on the end of his name. You gave us man with two N's on the end of his name. And then you come out of left field. I was really expecting like another like double consonant last name out of you for your third pick. And I'm a little disappointed that you didn't give us that, man. I'm sorry I did not go Davion Mitchell. That would have been the absolute perfect pitch. Uh, I, I am terribly sorry for my sins. It's okay. We'll forgive you for those sins and for the sins of being a Maver- Mavericks fan on a Rockets podcast. Um, but you've earned enough brownie points that you're in you're in safe haven, at least for now, if you continue to play your cards right. But coming up, we are going to talk about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. But first, we've got a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Now, look. BetOnline, it's the fastest and it's the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We've had baseball season going strong for a while now. We've got NBA playoffs here. They also have NHL, UFC, you name it. They've probably got it over at BetOnline. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's time to get in on the action. You can do that using promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit with BetOnline. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we've also got one more message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Now, the thing about like traditional chain storefronts is they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, which isn't exactly fair. The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same if you're a DIY guy or if you're a professional, which is how it should be. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything. And I mean everything that you need in just a few easy clicks. Their their website, really easy to navigate. It's super intuitive. Just head to their website, check it out, rockauto.com. And here's the thing. When you go there, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And we've got our final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Quick reminder that on our road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Now, Richard, we've got Jeremiah Robinson Earl, which hyphenated names always give me a bit of trouble. Is that, is that a, just a me thing or is that a you thing too? To an extent. I know it's not as easy as those uh, double consonants. <laughs> oh man. Well, <laughs> let, so we're talking Earl and he, I noticed, so he's the first, and actually we're going to go on a, a slight, one more quick little tangent here. To you, is this draft, if you had to rank it by the, 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 how do I want to phrase this to not sound like an idiot, the heaviness of like, guards then wings then bigs how like of those three kind of tiers and the the variety of the different players available at each kind of spot how would you rank this draft for available guys because i was looking at like wings towards like the latter end of the first round and i was like where are all the wings there's there's none what's happening yeah the wings in the the wings fall off very quickly there's seven eight i mean if you count Cade nine. I mean, and they're all, it's very top heavy in that area. I mean, I looking at my big board, the next wing I have is near 40, late thirties, and then back in the forties and fifties. So definitely not wings. I think it's always going to be guards. Honestly, this is a trend for the future. It's just all the ball handlers. And then it's big men. There's actually a decent amount of big men. I would take in that 20 to 40 range. 
Okay. All right. So that brings us to our current big man, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You know the drill. What's the elevator pitch? Yeah, sell, so, me, sell me on him. Yeah. The way I look at him is he's probably one of the safest players where you can say, will this guy fail and will he be in the league in 10 years? No, he will not fail. And yes, he will be in the league in 10 years and still being a productive player. You look at the trajectory of, and, and this is not a comparison. I, I really shouldn't even have led with that. No, nope, I'm going to add you. I guess how Al Horford has aged so beautifully. Despite having some athletic flaws, he's still a very good player no matter where he goes. And that's the way I kind of look at Jeremiah Robinson as you go, and eh, yeah, you know, some physical shortcomings, but he's still going to be a positive impact player no matter what he does. Like he's such a high IQ player. He's a really strong defender. Jay Billis said he's the best pick and roll defender in the country this year. He can shoot despite the percentages not being so hot. He's really just a complete player who doesn't have any major flaws in his game. So let's take a quick look at uh, these stats for Jeremiah. So 15.7 points, 8.5 rebounds, 2.2 assists, uh, field goal percentage just a little bit under 50% from the floor. And then I noticed the three-point percentage. It's there. I didn't happen to look at the attempts per game when I did this. So is he actually an outside threat or is this number a bit misleading at 28%? Like, is he just a bad three-point shooter? Did he get some heaves up? What's going on here? Yeah, so he only took 82 for the year. If you take out, I think it was like four of them, he jumps over that 30% mark. So that's a big, it's a pretty big gap in, you know, a dent that it can make the small percentages. Um, I do think the things to look at, he did drop off his free throw percentage this year from 81% last year, which is a huge indicator, to 71 this year. A little bit alarming. I don't know what happened. Maybe the lack of fans hurt him. I don't know. But I really do trust his shot. It looks exactly like Maxi Kaliba's, who uh, obviously like, I have a Mavs shirt on. I'm going to talk about the Mavs. You know, I had to get it in there. But uh, he's been a 40%, you know, high 30s percent shooter for years now. That form isn't broken. It'll come with time. So I'm not worried about it. He can shoot mid-range. He probably shoots a little bit too much mid-range. But that's a Villanova issue, not a Jeremiah Robinson Earl issue. So you, you mentioned his defense as a big, being able to guard in the pick and roll. I mean, is he going to be kind of a, is defense a bit more of his calling card more so offensively? You know, we talk, you know, you're kind of talking about his shooting package that he's somebody that might be able to develop that long range game eventually. Um, but defensively, is this going to be a guy that you, if you're trying to bolster your front court, have a young guy who's going to be a bit more of a plus on that side of the basketball, that's somebody to look at, right? Yeah, I mean, so it's funny because he a lot of people don't consider him a high defensive prospect because he's kind of slow laterally, but it's not he's not able to like it's not that he, he can recover very well. He's not a bad defender. He just kind of isn't quick enough to really switch with guards like you. We're spoiled by the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. can switch on to players like all these bigs have been able to do it. That when we see one who can't, we're like, oh, well, that's an issue, even though the norm is still these guys who aren't great at it. So I think he can, you know, it's the IQ. He makes up for it. He's still a good athlete, but he just kind of is slow one-on-one. -on -one. But I think his calling card is probably going to be just the mistake-free play on offense where if you pass him the ball, you don't have to worry about him like going, you know, panicking and not sure what to do. He brought the ball up the floor. He could pass. He ran pick and rolls as a ball handler. His, I think his calling card isn't really one thing or the other. I think it's just the fact that he can be whatever you ask him to be and he can pretty much adapt to any role and any play.
How are his hands? Because when it comes to bigs, especially younger yeah. bigs, I always really worry about how their hands are because you, you think about the variety of passes that they need to be able to catch, right? Whether they're on the roll, whether they're picking and popping, whether they're catching a lob towards the rim, uh, you know, operating obviously in close quarters with the opposing bigs, you know, constantly in the land of the trees. I always wonder how a, a center's hands are when they're coming in and if that's something that needs to be, you know, addressed if, if he's coming in and he's already got a great set of hands, where, where's he at there? Yeah. So honestly, hands are like some of the hardest area for me to evaluate. I've always, you know, the only player who I've ever been able to tell someone who has bad hands is Bismack Biombo, like, cause it could not be any clearer. Um, but in my notes on him, like he's the only player who I have that it says bad hands question mark. So I'm still unsure. I, I lean towards, he kind of has bad hands, but on rebounds, he's, he's good. He catches everything. Like that's not an issue. It's just lobs and, and entry passes. He can kind of botch and I don't know if it's a hand eye issue. So I'm a little bit iffy on that one. Okay. And then just really quickly on the rebounding front, uh, before we get to the bust ability, because we're getting to that, because I have, because I'm interested to see where you go with that one, given the fact that you said that he's guaranteed to be in the league in 10 years. So I wonder if that impacts (laughs) your decision, but you're talking about the rebounding and where is he at versus, you know, being just a a solid defensive rebounder and where's he at when he's attacking the offensive glass? How does that, you know, area of his game look? Yeah, I think it feeds into his motor and just overall IQ and just feel for the game. He knows, you know, he doesn't recklessly attack the offensive glass and sacrifice defensive positioning and vice versa. I think he knows where to be. He's very good at generally not, you know, he grabs the ball and rebounding translates. Like that's a, like I said, the hands is what I meant with. He grabs the ball, like he holds on to it. He grabs it with two hands. It's not a one-handed rebound. He just, it translates and he's good at it. So not only do we have audio and now visual thanks to YouTube, but now we've got the 4D experience as Richard smacks his mic to talk about how how aggressively uh, Jeremiah grabs the basketball when he's trying to uh, secure these rebounds. So we've got the 4D like total immersive experience here at Locked on Rockets. I love it. Um, and I've actually got one more. You talk about his motor. I feel like that's an area that is it weird that that's like a, I feel like that's a stereotypical area that bigs get like pegged on is like their motor, quote unquote. And you've got like kind of those like off the bench, like hustle bigs. Like I'm thinking like the Montrez Harrell, super like energizer bunny type guys. Is he kind of like that? I mean, is he a guy that you can maybe see? I know you said, you know, he's never going to jump out off the page, but, you know, have, you know, a safe career. I mean, is he going to be at some point in your mind, is the top end for him a starting caliber player in this league? Or do you think he's just a really strong guy to have off the bench? Yeah, so a little bit of both. I think he tops out as like a a starter and that you're like, he's probably the last guy to score, but also at his floor is being like one of the best seventh men in the league. Like for comparisons, I put Maxi Kleba and Dario Sarge. Those are two guys who kind of fit that bill, right? And then I said two guys fit comparisons and I'm very confident in like a perfect blend of those two. Like if, if those two guys had a love child, like it's Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Okay. I like it. That's a, that's a pretty strong selling point. You know what? I'm, and I, I've got to, I've got to commend you, Richard one for the, obviously for the, you know, immersive experience bit. Um, uh, but for, you know, taking these guys, you know, tail into the draft. And I know this, this board is so crazy, right? With so many different, you know, areas, so many different, you know, I guess so many different ranges in this draft where you've got kind of the top area, then you've got the next, like, you know, what, 15, 20 or so. And then past that, there's a whole nother range in here. And so one area that we didn't, focus on for each guy, which I'm sorry, cause I'm going to make you do this rapid fire really quick, but give me your best bet as to where these guys fall. I know we focused on them because of the 23, 24 picks for the Rockets, but give me your best bet as to where each of these guys actually land. Do you want a specific number or a small range? 
I'm going to do a specific number. Bad yeah, let's do, yeah, there we I'm go. I'm going to say Trey Mann is the 18th pick, and I'm going to say Jeremiah Robinson Rowe is the 24th pick. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. And then uh, and then Todd. We didn't get Todd. Right, right. Isaiah Todd, I, th- I think he's going to be 26th, like right after Jeremiah Robinson Rowe. Okay. All right. Well, I can, I can appreciate those. And that means the Rockets are walking away with one of these guys and uh, fingers crossed for me, for my own personal greediness. I hope Chris Duarte is actually the other pick. Um, where do you, out of curiosity, where do you have Duarte falling right now? So I have him actually right in that 20 to 25 range. I can't remember where I put him on my mock draft, but I do have him 17th overall on my board. Okay. All right. Well, and speaking of your board, speaking of all of your insight, first off, thank you again for always joining us here. It's always great having you on the show. Um, what do you got cooking over at Locked on NBA Draft for us? Yeah, doing some scouting reports yet again. Going to try and maybe have some player interviews, a uh, little sneak peek on that going forward. But, you know, I'll be going to some workouts and maybe doing some re- audio recaps of that. Awesome. Well, people can track you down on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Uh, they need to check out the podcast at, or not at, there's not an at in the podcast. What am I? I'm an idiot. Um, I'm doing the worst job of promoting the Locked On Podcast Network ever. Usually I'm really good at cross-promoting, but no, got to go check out his podcast. Uh, which day are you on? Remind me again. I do Tuesdays. All right, so you got to go check out Tuesday specifically, but you also need to check out Monday and Wednesday and Thursday because all the guys over there at Locked on NBA Draft do a phenomenal job. We've had uh, Rafael Barlow on here. We've had Sam uh, of Sam and Cody of dra- the Draft Dummies duo. So we've had the trifecta of you guys all on here now. Uh, but Richard, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed our episode today, uh, both if you're watching on YouTube and if you're listening in the car, on the way to work, in the gym, wherever. Uh, But that is going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.